Hey there and welcome to Soul Church. Our prayer is that this message encourages you wherever you may be in life. You know, we've been hearing so many stories about what God is doing in people's lives and we'd love to hear yours. So take a second and send your story to stories at soulchurch.com. Thanks again for joining us today and we hope that you enjoy the message. God bless. Thank you. Come on, why don't we lift up the name of Jesus in this house this morning. Come on, we can do a lot better than that. Hallelujah. Come on, the Bible says if we don't praise Him, the foundations under our feet will begin to praise Him. Hallelujah, we bless the Lord. The Word of God says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Come on, we're going to do that again. Because some of you are watching everyone around you. Some of you are facing so much uncertainty and challenges. The only thing you can do is praise Him. The only thing left to do is worship Him. The only thing in your armory is to begin to give Him some more praise. Come on, let's exalt the name of the Lord online, in your living room, in your garden. Hallelujah. We praise you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, come on, 20 more seconds. Exalt His name. Praise the name of the Lord. warm up. Father God, we thank you. We can clearly feel your presence in this room. And we need you today. We humble ourselves before the almighty God and we say we need you, God, in our situations. We need you, Father God, in this half of the house season. We cannot do this without you. It is not by might. It's not by power but it is by the presence of God, which is your spirit in us. I pray, Father, for everyone in their, in their workplaces watching, those listening by podcast, those watching Facebook, YouTube, Father God, I pray right now that you speak to them. Lord, I pray that you'd help us just stop and pause and put away every distraction as we come around your word. By the power, power of the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. You guys can take your seats. Ten years ago, God gave me a message. It's a message that I've preached all over the world. It's a message that I've spoke here in end of 2017. And it's a message that's probably shaped Chantal and I's life more than any other message that God has ever given to me. And I want to share this message today. It's probably helped more people than any other message I've spoken because it's a message that really has stuck with people. Still to this day, it probably doesn't go a week or two weeks goes by where someone does not refer to this message. And I'm aware a lot of people haven't heard this message, so I want to speak this message today and I believe it will ignite a fresh sense of faith into your life. It's a message for our church. It's exactly pitched at where we are right now and I know where you are. Now, so many of our conversations, the books we read, the podcasts that we listen to, the the messages on YouTube we watch, even the Christian resources that we get our hands on have eliminated a word. The word is faith. Faith. Now, a word, this word, 
is a word that our world desperately is in need of right now. In our postmodern world, we've become so good at what is now known as self-reliance, self-help. Feel good preaching. And people don't even see the need because they've forgotten what faith is. They don't even see the need for faith or they've forgotten what faith sounds like. And we hear words in our modern world like positivity, positive vibes, good vibes only, motivation, determination. And all these words, you know, hashtags, all these words. And let me tell you, I'm not discouraging them. I tell you, we need good vibes and we need encouragement and we need determination and we need self-help. Stay strong. But these words, they might build encouragement. They might add some positive sentiment into the office, but they don't build faith. They don't build faith. They can't build faith. Because the Bible says that faith can only be found in one way. The Bible says faith, by the way, faith is the exact opposite to fear. Faith can only happen by hearing the word of God. Not hearing good luck or good vibes only or you can make it or stay strong but by hearing the word of God. And either faith or fear is winning in your life right now. There's only one or two groups winning in your life. It's faith or fear. And there is a constant showdown in your home every morning when you wake up between faith and fear. Now write this down. The one that gets the most focus wins the day. Either fear will win the day, and let me tell you, fear has won the day over the last 18 months in people's lives. But today, I'm committed to speaking a word of faith back into our church. The word of faith. I've come to preach some faith here today. Is that okay? I've not got any good luck vibes. I've not got any positive statements for you. I've got the word of God, which is gonna bring some faith into people's hearts and people's souls. So faith, Romans 10, 17. So faith comes from hearing. Hearing what? The BBC? From hearing a social media feed? Hearing the good news. The good news of Christ. So we're going to broadcast some good news today. We've heard all sorts of bad news this week. But we're going to broadcast... And here's some good news. I'm actually tired of bad news. I can't take any more bad news. So if you have come for some bad news today, you're in the wrong place. We're here for some good news. Okay, so switch your social media off. You're in the service. Switch the laptop off at home. We're here for some good news. I've come for some dose of some good news in God's house today because I want to see people's faith built up. And I declare that fear will not win today. Fear will not win today. I want to remind you and I want to remind the devil that he loses. 
He loses in the battle for your marriage. He loses in the battle for your finances. The devil is a loser and he will lose. I've come to remind you today that if God is for you, who can be against you? I've come to remind you today that greater is he on the inside than those that are roaming around on the outside. I've come to remind you today, mom and dad and business person, that God is with God nothing. Nothing is impossible. I've come to remind you today right at the back that you are blessed when you come in and you are blessed when you come out. I've come to remind you today that you are blessed in your work. You are blessed in the city. You are blessed in the field. Why? Because I want to speak a word of faith into your life, into your heart. I want to remind you that God will not see your children forgotten. He will not see you begging for bread. Come on, if anyone needs a reminder today, you can sit down. We're still just warming up. Maybe you're here for the first time. Maybe you're watching online for the first time. You say, well, what is faith? What is faith? If you take your notes, write this down. Faith is seeing your life from God's perspective. Faith is seeing your life from God's perspective. So much of our lives we see from our own perspective, which means all you can see if you're looking for your own perspective is problems and disappointment and hurt and discouragement and rejection. But God isn't seeing your life from your perspective. He's seeing your life through the eyes of, for I know the thoughts I have towards you, saith the Lord. They're not plans of evil. They're plans of peace to give you a future and a hope. God's got a future. I don't know your name, but God's got a future for you. Never met you before, but someone's tried to tell you you don't have a future. God's got a future for you. God's got a big future. God's got a future for your life. God's got a future. His faith is seeing your life from His perspective. You see, you can only see your life from His perspective if you know what He's saying. I'm going to talk today about a leader in the Bible called Zerubbabel. Just a, just a quiet off the record comment. Who on earth would call their son Zerubbabel? Zerubbabel. Zerubbabel. Now, Zerubbabel was the governor of Judea in Israel. He was a powerful man. He had 50,000 leaders under him. And Israel were at war with the Babylonians. And they, Israel come back, they've been defeated in the war. And when they get back to their own turf, not only have they been defeated on the battlefront, but They've been defeated in their home city. And their houses have been destroyed. Their women and children have been taken away. And the temple which King Solomon had built has been burnt to the ground and destroyed in front of them. And Zerubbabel has been given the challenge of rehousing his men, reintegrating them back into life. Many of you. You've been in the forces and you've been away and you've represented our nation and we're, we're so indebted to you. But when you come home, you know how hard it is to reintegrate into society. And these soldiers come back into society, but when they get there, they realize that they have no civilization. 
And his job as the governor was to feed these men and house them. And they ended up being refugees, the Bible says, in their own land. And opposition soon came and Zerubbabel gets caught up in the trap of discouragement. Some of us, we, we know what that feels like because maybe work's not what it used to be as it was before COVID or maybe you've lost your marriage or maybe you can understand discouragement just like Zerubbabel. And then God, in Zerubbabel's moment of need, he speaks to him. Amen. He speaks through the prophet Zechariah. And he says this famous passage, which I just pray. And I want us to stand as we read this together. Sorry, it's like going to the gym at Soul Church. Just get, it's like burpees, <laughs> up and down, up and down. It's body, mind, and soul. It's a full workout. Come on, let's stand to our feet. We honor the word of God. It's just a tradition in the church where we honor God's word. Men and women have laid down their lives that we have this book, and it's what we do. This is what God speaks to Zerubbabel through the prophet Zechariah. He said, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. It is not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Who are you, O great mountain? Before Zerubbabel, you shall become a plain, and you'll bring out the capstones with shouts of grace, grace. You guys can take your seats. This great mountain in front of him is talking about Solomon's temple, the church, in ruins. Right now, there are many mountains in this room, mountains of debt, mountains of mental health, Mountains of marriage breakdowns, mountains of disappointment. And I'm going to ask the host team to hand out these little prayer cards. And we're going to take a couple of minutes to hand these out. But these, these little cards represent your mountain. For Zerubbabel, his mountain looked like 50,000 men who needed a house and a place to worship and food. Your mountain might look like you're struggling at school. Your mountain might look like bullying Your mountain might look like you're struggling with identity. Your mountain might look like you're struggling with with debt. We all have different mountains. And this year, we've declared it as the year that we will advance and take ground. And in this Heart for the House season, we're believing not just for miracles in our church, but miracles in your life. If you need a pen, I'll also just slip up your hand, we'll give you a pen, but... You don't have to write it down right now. and It's up to you whether you put your name on it. Good thing is with God, he knows, who, he knows who it belongs to. So you haven't got to worry about that. On that, you can just write down what you're facing in your life. What impossible mountain, pile of rubble, what insurmountable situation that you face as a family. Chantel and I, we're simply believing God. We need a miracle with this new building. Many of you know the history of the church, but we took over and the building that we're going to be rebuilding was burnt down 16 years ago. It's a little bit like what Zerubbabel was facing. It's going to cost us nine million pounds to rebuild it. That's a challenge. That's a challenge. That's a big challenge. So that's what's going on our card, that we need a miracle. 
We're going to collect these in as you leave. The team will be at the door with some containers. You can just place them in and we're going to put them on a wall in the atrium. Some of you might have seen it as you come in. It's going to be called the Grace Grace Wall. And you'll understand why it's called the Grace Grace Wall by, by the time we finish the message. You can just hold on to that card, okay? You don't have to write anything on it now. You can even bring it back next week. There's no rush, but I want you to hold on to the card because we're going to need this card a couple of times throughout this, throughout this lesson. It's interesting that God sent the prophet Zechariah to Zerubbabel. The first thing we need to remember today as we look at our mountain and our challenge is this. The word Zechariah means God hasn't forgotten you. When, you. when you look at your problem, often you think, oh my goodness, is there really a God? Has he, has he forgotten about me? There was two prophets that could have been sent to Zerubbabel at that time. One was the prophet Haggai. The word Haggai means to party. Well, Zerubbabel didn't need a party. He needed to be reminded that God had not forgotten about him. And there will come a time when we are going to party and we're going to celebrate the goodness of God and the miracle. But I know there's also a season where we've got to remember the first thing that God wants you to know today is he has not forgotten you. We're launching this new series today called Not By Mine. And I'm believing God is going to build some faith we're going to hear about some miracles. In our youth ministry, our young adults ministry, we're going to hear a breakout of miracles in businesses. We're going to see some mountains move. We're going to see God build people's lives. So I want to talk a message today. If you take your notes, the message is titled Grace, Grace. Grace, Grace. From this passage, our miracle is found in three places. I'm going to give you three steps today I believe is going to help you see a breakthrough in your mountain that you've just written down on this card. Three steps from this, from this story. First step is this, if you take your notes. Our miracle is found in the Spirit. Our miracle is found in the Spirit. Not by might, not by power, but by my Spirit, says the Lord. Now, not by might. Might is a military word for individual power. Individual power. Has anyone ever tried to sort out the mess on your card? Who's been trying to sort this out in their own strength? Just give, me a, just give me a hand. Just me. Come on. We've all had a go. We've all tried to help the kid who's away from God. We've all tried to fix the marriage. And we're no better off than where we started. And Zerubbabel, he's looking at this mess. And he's like, how do I fix a city that's been burnt to the ground? How do I rebuild the temple? God comes along and says, you're doing it all wrong. He says, it's not by might. It's not in your own power. And then he says this. He goes one further. He says, it's not by power. Power is a word for human resource which means it's not in our own strength and it's not in our own resource, which means throwing money at the problem might not fix it in the marriage, which means throwing money or resource at the situation of business might not fix the situation because you're going to need something a little bit extra than more money or more power or more resource. It's called the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. 
And this verse could actually read a little bit like this. I've kind of changed the Bible. Now, I know you shouldn't do that, okay? But I've just put it in so you can understand. You ready? Here it comes. Not by anything that is in our own strength or human resources can accomplish. Now look at your mountain. Look at your mountain. Look at your card. Not by anything that in your own strength or human resources can accomplish. So the bad news is we can't fix this. But the good news is there's something else. Your miracle does not begin in the natural. It begins in the spiritual. And this is where we have to, again, this comes back to something I preached about a few months ago. This is where we literally humble ourselves before God. We say, God, I've messed up my marriage. I've made some poor choices. I've messed this up, made some poor choices in business. And I've tried it in my own strength, my own resources. It hasn't worked. I've tried for own money, presents, everything to try and fix this, and it hasn't worked. So right now, not by might, not by power. Now, Holy Spirit, you come. You come and fix the mess I've made. I invite you, Holy Spirit, to come, the presence of God, to come and do what I can't do with money, resources, strength. I know that only you can do it. You see, the miracle of the new building, it's got to begin in the Spirit. God's Spirit has to get into your spirit and my spirit. You see, you don't attempt to build a nine million pound building in Norwich in your own strength. Because if you do, it will be an epic fail. And Zerubbabel, he had the balance all wrong. He was striving. He was trying. He was trying to find the answers in his strength and his power and his might. And God had to intervene. We can't physically heal. You can't physically heal. We can't physically heal. We cannot change the heart of a loved one who is far from God. We can't. We cannot do it. We can't heal grief. We cannot force our teenagers to make good decisions. We can't afford nine million pounds. Now here's the good news. We don't have to. Because it's not by might. It's not by power. It's not in anything in my own strength or human resources that I can accomplish. But it is by His Spirit. We can't, but God can. And only the Spirit of God can clean up the messes in our lives. Now the question is this. Will you let Him? Will you let Him? I want us to stand one more time. I promise you this will be the last time. Now I want you to hold your card. I want you to hold your card because this is your mountain. This is your mountain. This is, this is the bit where you've gone, God, I humble myself before you because I've made a right model of this. Are you ready? We're going to invite the Holy Spirit. Will you invite the Holy Spirit in? Will you humble yourself? Would, would you drop your guard just for a second? Come on, let's just humble ourselves before God. Say, God, we've, we've got some mountains. 
You don't have to hold a car. At the end of the day, you know what that mountain is. I'm going to pray. I'm going to invite the Holy Spirit to come in. Welcome the Holy Spirit. We welcome you, Holy Spirit. We invite you right now to come and move on this mountain, Father God. For some of us, this mountain's been the same mountain for weeks, for months, even years. But Father, right now, we take our foot off the gas and allow you to put your foot on the gas. And we rest in you and we trust you, Father God. Families will be reunited. Debts will be cleared, Father God. Bodies will be healed. And Father, we trust you and trust you alone. And we say, come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. Let me declare it one more time. It's not by might. Come on, say it with me. It's not by power, but it is by your Spirit. You cannot fix that addiction. You cannot break that addiction in your own strength, in your own power. But right now, the presence of God can break the addiction of pornography, can break the addiction of nicotine, can break the addiction of alcoholism, can break the addiction of cannabis in people's lives. And you allow it and say, I can't do this anymore. But we break every destructive habit in our church right now by the power of the name of Jesus. I've seen him do before and I'll see him do it again. Come on, let's declare it. All right. I'm going to keep you seated now, I promise. You can sit down. It's 25 extra calories you've burnt in church. Skip the gym tomorrow. Number one is our miracle is found in the spirit. Number two, our miracle is found in our mess. In our mess. Let me just give you some background to this next part. Zechariah tells Zerubbabel, he says now, verse 7, bring out the capstone. Firstly, the miracle is starts in the spirit. This is where a lot of us go wrong. We start in the flesh, not in the spirit. We try and fix things in our own might, and it's like, God's like, reverse, reverse it. And this is the natural part of the miracle. God will often require you to be part of his process. And this is where Zerubbabel had to play his part. And often God will require you to take steps which make no sense. Because in the rubble was the capstone. Now the capstone, if you know anything about building, is the focal point of the building. It's the final piece of the jigsaw. So on our old church, which burnt down, the original church, the capstone, would be the cross. Could bring that photo up, that'd be great. So that was the fire in 2006. And on the top was the cross. Now, what the cross did is the cross distinguished it from a school. Distinguished it from just a community hall. This, this capstone says, actually, this is a house of worship. This is holy ground. And for the temple which lied in, lay in ruins, the capstone distinguished it as a sacred place. When, this, when, 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 when the church burnt down in 2006, it might have even been longer, but for six months, the church laid in ruins on the ring road. Six months, because they had to do investigations, they had to do all sorts of assessments for insurance and all sorts of things. So people would drive past, and you'd see this eyesore. 
And it was a painful reminder for those who went there of what was. For Stephen Rachel, it was a reminder of their wedding day. For others, it was a reminder of the night that they found Christ in that building. For others, it was where they got baptized. For others, their children were dedicated there. And for six months, we had to look at this eyesore, and I'm thinking, would somebody just get rid of it? I remember once I worked at the high school, I didn't even want to drive past because I ran the youth club in that church, Wildlife, and it was so painful to see that building. Pastors Trevor and Joyce, the pain would have been even harder and even greater because they'd raised the money and the resources to even get get it built. And Zerubbabel was facing the same predicament. And God says to Zerubbabel, he says, I want you to go and get the capstone. The capstone? The very thing? Which was the focal point of the building where they would have had worship and praise and listened to the word? He says, yeah, I want you to get the thing that makes no sense. And the last thing Zerubbabel wanted to see was the capstone. Because it represented what was. The pain, the hurt, the failure. Imagine you're on the brink of divorce and God tells you that go and get your marriage certificate. Who knows when you're going through a divorce, the last thing you want to see is your marriage certificate or a picture of your wedding. You don't want to see that. It's the capstone. It's the capstone for you. I wonder what your capstone might look like today. Capstones are a reminders of things we don't have or what we used to have. I've got some capstones here today. I've got a car tire. It represents you believing God for a new car and your neighbor just pulled up in a new Tesla. You're like, God, what, what, what about me? By the way, well done to all our electric car drivers this week. You won. You, you did great. I've got a few people. Yeah, we know who you are. We could see the smiles as you were driving. Got a sold sign here. By the way, if anyone's missing a sold sign at their house, come see me later. A sold sign. Your, your house is for sale and you're trying to sell it, but it just won't sell. And your neighbor puts his up and it's gone in a day. And then you have to look at their sold sign. And you're saying, God, what... Well, what about me? What about my, what about my house? And for others of you, you just believe in God to be able to feed your family for a week. And you're in Asda, and you've got just enough to get you through the day because that's all the money you have, and then someone comes whistling past you with a trolley and it's just bubbling over with food. And you're thinking, you're not gonna eat all that, and I've got a family, I'm a single mom, I'm trying to feed my kids. And you see that, and it's, it's a capstone. And this is a real tough one, but you've been a bridesmaid 10 times. You've never been the bride. You've been invited to the wedding, and if you get another wedding invite, you're going to go crazy. God, what about me? I desire to be married. I desire to be loved. I desire intimacy. You go to the wedding because you have to and you kind of can't, just can't wait to get out of there because it's a capstone. And then you've been told you can't have children. We've been trying to have children and 
All you see is screaming children and babies around you. And the pain. The pain. Because it's a capstone. We all have capstones. We all have capstones in our lives. Yet in the middle of the mess lies a miracle in waiting. Yet in the middle of this mess this Zerubbabel was looking at, little did he know that there was a miracle in the motion. And the question is this, can you trust God in the middle? Can you trust God? Because it, I'm sure that, I'm sure that, Zachari- that Zerubbabel got really excited when God said, hey, it's not by might, not by power, but by your spirit. Yeah, I'll take the miracle, I'll take the promise, I'll take the spirit. And God says, yeah, can you trust me when it's not happening? even when I promised you it will happen. As God says, Zerubbabel, go get that capstone. Go get the very thing which reminds you of your pain. For some of you, your capstone might look like a a diagnosis from the doctor that says you've got a condition and you've just accepted it. You've just accepted you've got asthma. You've just, got, you've just accepted that you've got a condition in your skin. You've just, got, you've just accepted it. And it's, it's, it's a piece of paper. You've just accepted it. It's a capstone. And God's saying, you might have accepted it, but I haven't. Amen. Now I want you to go and find the capstone, the very thing. It might be a letter from your bank to say your business is in receivership. I don't know what your capstone is, but you've got to go and find it this week. Amen. You've got to find it. Because often God will require you to do something ridiculous so he can perform the miraculous in your life. And we just want to be sit back armchair Christians which says, God, fix me. Just fix me. Here I am in front of Netflix. Fix me. Here I am with my Doritos. Just fix my health, Lord. God's going to require us to do something this year in Half the House, which makes no sense. This is an unusual year for our Half the House because we need our church to go above and beyond. Thirdly and finally, number one, the miracle is found in the spirit. Number two, the miracle is found in the mess. And number three, the miracle is found in your mouth. In your mouth. It starts in the spirit. Then God says, no, I need to go and find something. Find something that reminds you of something painful, which is exactly the opposite to what you want to see, hear, or feel. Your miracle is in the mouth. It starts in the spirit. Then it makes no sense. And then it really gets fun. Zachariah starts making fun of Zerubbabel's mountain. He says this. He goes and he says, Who are you? Who are you? O great mountain. Who are you? Who are you? This spade is a capstone. The amazing Lydia bought us this a couple of years ago for our new church. She said, I'm buying you this for one the day that you've got to break ground. Do you know what, I'll be honest, as fun as that is for you guys, go, yeah, yeah, that's cool. That's a bit of capstone for me. Because that capstone looks like nine million pounds. That's probably a nine pound shovel. 
that represents nine million. So every time I see that, it's like, you can pull back. And God reminded me a couple of weeks ago, go and get the shovel out. Prepare yourself. It's just because I want, to, I want you to start doing something with a shovel before you break ground. You see, when something gets in your spirit, it will automatically come out of your mouth. Let me just backdate to when you were dating your spouse. When something gets in your spirit... Settle down on the front row. We have a venue team in this church and we will use them. But when something gets in your spirit, it will come out of your mouth. That's why the first thing we did today was get God's word in your spirit. Because when God's word is in you, it will come out of you. And God speaks to Zerubbabel and he says, Who are you? Who are you compared to our almighty God? The mountain that you've written on your little car. Who are you? How dare you rob me of one more night's sleep? How dare you steal my family time? How dare you steal the sleep that God has promised me? Look this card in the eye and say, who are you? 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 Come on, faith, faith in the room today. Words are a vehicle to release your faith. You see, if you don't talk to God about your mountain, your mountain will talk to you. And your mountain will tell you things that you do not want to hear. So we've got to talk to our mountains before our mountains start talking to us. Who do you think you are, mountain of sickness? Who do you think you are, COVID? You have no right in our church. COVID, you have no right in our city. You have no right. You have spoken. You have had your moment in the sunshine for far too long. I will not allow you to rob my children of their education. I will not allow you to rob our church of community. You've got to rise up and you've got to speak to your mountain. If not, your mountain will speak to you. Who are you, mountain of broken marriage? Who are you? Who are you, mountain of debt? You're up against the God who promises to provide all of our needs according to His riches in glory. Quilly, sit down. Quilly, Quilly, Quilly. Zachariah, he says this. He says, before Zerubbabel, you shall become a plain. The mountain in front of you, the word plain in this instant is called molehill. Molehill. God wants to turn your mountains into molehills. This week I got a call which shook me up for a few hours. And then I remembered God wants to turn mountains into molehills. Then I remembered who they're up against. They're up against the Almighty God. They're up against Jehovah Rapha, who is our great healer. Jehovah Jireh, our great provider. And Zerubbabel, he had to leave and break away from negative voices and listen to the voice of God. 
And God's word says this, this mountain will become a plain. I encourage you, faith sometimes begins by stuffing your ears full of cotton wool. A while ago, so I, was, I, I used to fly a lot back in the good old days. And someone said, hey, if you fly a lot, you should buy yourself some, buy yourself some noise cancellation headphones. So anyone got some of these? If you haven't, get some. They're unbelievable. So when you fly, you just do this. Every child on the plane magically disappears. You shut your eyes and they just vanish. You know, the guy next to you snores. They just go. It's like a miracle. You know what? Sometimes we've got to put some spiritual headphones on where we block out, we block out every negative voice and the only voice we listen to is God's word, which says, I will provide for you. I will take care of you. I will protect you. Don't allow and don't agree with people who want to bring you down to their standards. It's amazing that there's always someone who finds something negative in a positive move of God. I'm like, wow, you really, of all the things that happen in Soul Church, you're looking at that little thing that's not going well. Why don't we look at the big picture? Why don't we look at incredible things that are happening around, of, around in our church? So I want to encourage you, ignore the nonsense that people write online. You don't have to defend God's corner. I'll say it again. We haven't got to defend the church or defend God's corner. God is a big boy. And he could look after his own. He could look after Chantal and I. And we can handle it. We appreciate your prayers. We appreciate all that. But God's a big, big God. And he's got our backs. And so I encourage you to start confessing the goodness of the Lord. Speaking it out. Be careful what you're saying in this season. There's no one in this church who's unemployed. Not one person. If you're out of work, you're in transition. You're in transition. One's a comma, one's a full stop. God doesn't do full stops. He does commas. He does seasons. He does changes. He does chapters. And all God wants to do is say, I'm moving you from this season to that season. You're not unemployable. You're not unemployed. God is simply moving your life forward. You desire to get married. Tell people, say, I'm getting married. I just haven't set the date yet. Who are you marrying? None of your business. Absolutely none of your business. But God gave me a word that I'm getting married. So I'm going to get married. All right, we're going to really tie this up quickly. The final part of this prophecy, he says, go get the capstone. And he says, and shout at it. You don't shout at a stone unless you are balmy. People must have thought Zerubbabel was going bonkers. He says, I want, I want you to shout at it. Now, I think I'd be comfortable if God said, you know what? Go get the stone and just whisper over it. Grace, grace. So no one can hear you in your back garden. And no one can hear you on your street. But God doesn't work like that. You see, God doesn't care. God doesn't care when we, we exalt him. He wants to be exalted. So he says, right, I want you to go and get the spade, John. I'm going to put it down. And then I want you to do something. First of all, we've acknowledged that this can't happen naturally. It has to be in spirit. Now I want you to get the thing that's kind of been getting to you. Now I want you to shout at it. What? Well, this isn't, this isn't normal. Nothing about the Bible is normal. 
Nothing about being a Christian is normal. We are a supernatural church, serving a supernatural God. He says, go get the capstone. And he says, shout. Now, it's interesting what God tells him to shout. He says, shout grace, grace. Grace, what is grace? It is the unearned, undeserved, unmerited favor of God, which means even though maybe some of the things we've written on our cards are our own doing, God says, hey, because this is unearned and unmerited and undeserved, I can still fix it. Oh my goodness. So you get the capstone and you say, grace, grace, God's unmerited, undeserved, unearned favor on our new church. I don't deserve it, but God, I want you to do it. And God goes, huh, that's a bit unusual for a British guy to be shouting a spade. Maybe he really does have trust in me. Maybe something's in this. Now, when I get my capstone, what I want is a good moan. When I look at my mountain, I want a good moan. Anyone else want a good moan? The last thing I want to declare over it is God's favor. Chantelle and I, for the last few years, when we go up to drop our kids off, off at the nursery, when they're at the nursery, we've been shouting grace, grace on that site for three to four years. So if you think that you shouting grace, grace at your situation this week and everything's going to change overnight, it probably isn't. It probably isn't. I went to the gym once. <laughs> once. Nothing changed. When you consistently, yes. you say, I'm serious, God. I'm serious with my marriage. I'm serious. Everyone's written, the counselor's written us off, but I'm serious. I'm going to keep declaring God's favor. I'm serious about my business. I know I've made some mistakes, but God, I know your favor's still on it. So as I walk into the room, into my office, I'm just going to shout, grace, grace, in the office. And I think, well, in fact, let me show you. Let me show you. We've heard incredible miracles over the year from this message applied in people's lives. This, this miracle came in a while back. It says, hi, John, I recently started to attend church. I'm a single mummy and had already been for three years. In very trying circumstances, my child and I were abandoned during pregnancy. I'd been asking the Lord for a husband for a long time, but didn't have a clue how we would do it. My circumstances didn't allow me to get out to meet any new people. Little did I know that my fiance would be attending the very same service and would also be shouting, grace, grace. So when it came to seeking a spouse within a week or so in that service, his sister contacted me and said that she wanted to connect me with her brother so I'd be at least know one familiar face at church. He subsequently friend requested me and emailed me via Facebook. His status at the time was, grace, grace. I jokingly commented, Grace, Grace, back at him. We met in person and the rest is history. We're now engaged. We've had countless witnesses that our relationship is ordained by the Lord. I was preaching in South Africa. I'm preaching to a crowd a little bit bigger than this. And I'm, in a moment, we're going to put this into practice, by the way. We're going to leave our Britishness on the floor. It's going to be really fun. On my left-hand side, there's a single mom. And on my right-hand side, there's a single dad. Longing for companionship. They stood up, and little did I know that God was orchestrating something. Amen. In that moment, God got to work in their, in their behalf. This ain't good vibes. 
This ain't a bit of encouragement for a Sunday morning. This is faith being activated in the church. And if you're believing for a miracle right now, I'm going to read this verse one more time. And I don't want us to whisper this. I don't know what your mountain is, but you do. But I'm believing for some faith to arise. I did this in South Africa. I couldn't get them to sit down. I need some faith. I need some faith in the house today. Come on, put away your feelings. If you need God, I want you to shout right now. Shout at your capstone. Grace, grace. Grace, grace. Hallelujah. Grace, grace. Grace, grace. Come on. Grace, grace over your children. Grace, grace over your business. Grace, grace over your capstone. Grace, grace over your home. Grace, grace. Come on, release your faith. Release it in Jesus' name. He didn't whisper it. He shouted it. He shouted it in faith. Hallelujah. 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 Now just stay standing because we're going to do this one more time and then Alan, the general manager, is going to sack me for going on far too long. I was skiing a few years ago in Sweden with two friends and we got to the summit of the mountain and I'm not a skier. I'm a troubled skier. just can't do it, but I enjoy the company up there. I got there and I was sort of having a bit of fun, a bit of mischief and Ben was right on the other side of the mountain on the other side of the summit. I said, Ben! And this guy, this instructor, he runs over, he goes, I was like, what is up with this guy? He says, you, young man, are going to cause an avalanche. I said, what do you mean? He says, if you keep shouting, you're going to bring this whole mountain down. He says, shh. And in that moment, God spoke to me. He says, if we keep shouting, He's going to bring the mountains down in our lives. If you keep declaring God's grace over your children, over your grandchildren, over your mountains, your capstones, He can bring the mountains down in front of you. So come on, one more time. We're not British right now, we're kingdom. Okay, it doesn't matter about the people around you. I want you right now to declare what is ever over your card. I want you to declare God's grace. And don't just whisper it. I want you to shout it. I want your faith to be activated. I'm going to count to three. And then we're going to let it out in this room. Are you ready? One. Come on. Come on. Are you ready? Two. Come on. Let faith arise. Three. Grace. sense of God's presence. As Pastor John was preaching, I sense that Jesus is walking up and down every aisle. And he's seeing those hearts that are, I really felt the heart of those that are longing to be married, longing to have babies, longing to see breakthrough, longing. But I felt his heart more, those that actually Jesus is longing for. He's longing for your heart to be connected with his. And in a room of this size, there will be many that haven't yet said yes to a personal relationship with their maker, with Jesus, the one that actually says, I wanna give you unmerited, unearned, 
undeserved grace. My grace is what He died on the cross to give us direct access to God, direct access to eternal life, forgiveness of sin, a meaning and purpose for today. The beautiful hymn, Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind, but now I see. Let that be your story today. Maybe you've come with a friend. Maybe you've been coming for a while, but you haven't said yes. You haven't prayed the prayer that says, Jesus, I want you to come into my life. Maybe there's been a lot of mistakes. Maybe there's, you felt like you've gone your own way for a long time, but Jesus is saying, come, come my way. You might have come with a friend today, come by yourself. Maybe you're watching online and you know that this message has encouraged you, but right now you need to put that, that capstone, that thing in place, Jesus, the cornerstone, to actually make everything else have meaning and purpose. So can I ask that every head be bowed, every eye closed in this place. You've been longing, you've been searching. Human relationship cannot quench this longing and searching a legacy, material possessions. Jesus is the only one. His grace is the only one that can bring meaning and purpose. Yes, we don't deserve it, but He's done all He can so that we can come just as we are. He loves you. He believes in you. So right now I'm gonna pray a powerful prayer, simple prayer, but a powerful prayer. And I wanna include as many as possible from this side to the other side, from the front to the back. And you say, Rachel, I want you to include me in this prayer. We're not gonna embarrass you or single you out. I just want you to slip your hand up high enough and long enough after three so I know who to include in this prayer of simply coming to Jesus. Maybe for the first time, or maybe you're coming back. There's already hands going up. Maybe you've once loved God and served God, but you've got distracted or maybe hurt. And he's saying, come, come, you are weary. I wanna give you rest and peace. So if that's you after three, join those that are already raising their hands after three. I wanna know who I'm praying for in this moment. After three, one, two, three, that's it. Thank you, thank you down here. Thank you. Thank you at the back. Thank you over there. It's hard to see with the lights. There's few hands raised and there's also hands hearts that God is seeing. I'm seeing hands, but God is seeing hearts. So right now, I want you to pray this prayer after me and mean it. Even if you raise your hand, maybe put your hand on your heart and online, if you're sitting watching right now, put your hand on your heart. And I'm praying that right at this moment, you will sense the presence and the reality of Jesus in your life. Say this after me loud and strong and our church family will join together with you. Dear Lord Jesus, I thank you for loving me. Right now, I choose you. I choose your grace. I thank you that I'm moving from death to life, from being blind to sight, from darkness to light. Forgive me of my sin. I want to serve you all the days of my life. I'm coming back to you. I'm a Christian. I'm a follower of Jesus. Help me to love you forever and ever. In Jesus' Name, Amen. Amen. Can we applaud those? Really applaud those. Heaven is rejoicing because you prayed that prayer. Online, if you prayed that prayer, we would love you just to pop it in the chat. I decided I prayed that prayer or text the 
text the number on the screen. If you're in the room and you raised your hand or you prayed the prayer and meant it, some of our team hopefully will have seen your hand. But if not, as you exit the, um, the doors out there on the way out, some of our team will be like this, waving Bibles. We would love to put a Bible in your hand, even if you already have one, to commemorate today, encourage you with a lot of the scriptures that we, Pastor John, talked about today, but also to make a little connection with you. We'd love to get your name and your your contact details so we can cheer you on and encourage you from this moment on. We're not meant to do life alone. We also have light bulbs. You saw the Jesus is life wall that was on our video earlier. And if you are saying yes to Jesus, we would love you to pop in that light bulb to say the light has gone on in my heart and nothing on no one is going to put it out in Jesus' name. Thanks again for tuning in. And if you said the salvation prayer today, we'd love for you to email connecttofaith at soulchurch.com so we can talk to you a little bit more about this incredible decision that you've just made. Yeah, you know, and if at any point in the service you felt moved to give towards any of our local or global initiatives, then head to soulchurch.com and click on the giving at the top of the page. Thanks again for joining us today. And we hope to see you again soon. God bless.